doing a special uh, Friday edition. We are now recording on Tuesday. We wanted to wait to see how the uh, how the Reds' first series went, and uh, it was a big king nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> That's the exactly. Halloween. Joey warned us. Uh, we we thought it was going to be a nightmare for the other teams. It ended up being a nightmare for all of Cincinnati. We are used to it, but still, in Cincinnati fashion, they found. New and exciting ways to lose. Well, you know, Joey Votto's got a serious question to ask himself in the offseason after that quote and that performance. Because remember the quote, Matt, earlier in the year when he said, if I don't play up to my standards, and the standards is his contract, 20-plus million dollars owed to him next year, that he would retire. He's not going to play when he's not worth the money. I mean, is that is it time now? To say Joey Votto's not worth the money? I mean, that was around the time when he when he was benched, when he had to take the, uh, the little sabbatical of a few games and come back and get his head right. I mean, after this quote, after that winning streak to get to the postseason, I was expecting a lot more from him in particular, but from the entire team. Um, he was making – he had a few errors. He had that error at, at first – um, he was watching a few of those third strikes that were too close to where it's like, okay, they were just outside of the strike zone, but you can't leave that up to the ump. You're going to have to swing at a lot of those. Um, he, he, he was off. I, I don't think that it, he needs to retire, but I think there's something, something a little off about him still. Well, I think he's in the postseason. We can say that he's nervous. Yeah. I mean, I think Joey Votto really has postseason nerves because it's frankly the thing that's going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame for me. I was forever and always a Joey Votto should be a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. All he needs to do is accumulate more stats just to get over 300 home runs, get over 2,000 hits, accumulate enough RBIs, be a part of a couple more good Reds teams, have a few years where he bats 270, and I think he's a Hall of Famer, especially with our knowledge of Saber metrics. The problem is, Matt, he fell off a cliff after the MVP season. You can look at it statistically. He's had moments. He's had weekend moments where we all tweet, hey, Votto still bangs. But outside of that, I mean, he's really been statistically not even close to the money he's worth. And I'm saying this as a guy. Uh, Joey Votto's my favorite baseball player of all time. I, I think he's one of the greatest hitters ever in terms of raw what it means to be a hitter but if you're going to be a hall of fame player in this league you need to have postseason success and you need to be the driving force on your team that has some sort of postseason success unless you're going to be mike trout in the bottom line with joey Votto is he has been a playoff zero playoff dud and the numbers back it up in 11 postseason games with joey Votto. All of these are after his MVP season. No games when he was a young player. The Reds are two and nine, two and nine in those postseason games. Joey Votto is batting 244, has zero extra base hits, and one RBI. Zero extra base hits. That isn't great. And this is over 40 at bats. This is in 11 games. This is in multiple seasons. This is against multiple opponents. I mean, that is, that's an indictment on the record of Joey Votto. And we all have to admit it. He was not even close to a solid postseason performer. It's the thing for me that should keep him out of the Hall of Fame because he never showed up in the biggest moments when it mattered for this team. And we complained about Marty Brenneman complaining about Joey Votto, but the man had some points. And and you were exactly right, Matt. How many times are you going to watch a hittable fastball get called a third strike on you just because your perfect eye deems that it's just below the strike zone. And the strike box says it's not a strike. Get the bat off your shoulder and swing. And I think Joey Votto could have set the tone for this series right from the first game. Runners on first and third, not a soul out. First inning. I I was expecting a lot more from him from that at bat. That could have shifted the entire momentum. Of, of or the, the momentum of the entire series. Yeah. Start, get if we score in that first inning, we don't have that we don't have that streak of scoreless innings. We do not have to be where I mean we are up at least one nothing. 
and we're giving Bauer, who had the game of his life, we're giving him some run support, and it, the pressure is down off that point. We don't score in that in that first inning, and we it's like Joe even said it in in his post game interview. It was kind of like a there's like this uneasiness because we're like, oh wow, how many how many innings have we gone without scoring? Why is it so hard with Why is it so hard for us? He's like some some teams. It was it's super easy for them to score, and they could just go up there and just blast runs. And oh, there's another home run. And he said that they were struggling, and it looked like a different level of hell past struggling, where it was they weren't even getting close. They had what? It was Aquino who was running down to get to it, getting tagged inches before the bag. It was just just playing with them. Well, base listen. That quote, it's, it's an indictment on David Bell. We felt uneasy because we haven't scored. Okay. I mean, guys, what the hell is a manager worth nowadays anyway, other than to have leadership and inspiration and to make tweaks and adjustments in the minds of your players? Because a damn computer can write a lineup in 2020 using another computer, and that computer can also make the rotation and decide who to bring in out of the bullpen. Those are all computer decisions at this point in 2020. What does being a manager mean? It means taking a team and maximizing their talent by getting them to mentally focus, to mentally buy in to the team unit. And David Bell never did that. And we can blame individuals, but I think Trevor Bauer's tweet storm over the last 24 hours shows specifically that this was not a unit. They had not connected. They had not become this, like, they go 21 straight scoreless innings, and it's like, oh, ho-hum. I mean, Matt, that was the biggest playoff dud in the history of Major League Baseball. That is the single worst dud in the history of Major League Baseball, and it was pulled off by the Cincinnati Reds. So, I mean, somebody's going to answer for Breaking records, baby. Someone's got to – this is – there are too many things that happen that scream to me. Managing, managing, managing. Leadership, leadership, leadership. I could not, I've never watched a Major League Baseball team come to the plate so many times and look confused by the first pitch. They had no plan. They had no approach. They had no clue. They were lost. They had no, they they were just out to sea. And to me, that is all on David Bell. And yes, we can blame the players, but the fact that our lineup underperformed all season long. I think we ended with a 220 batting average as a team. And you can scream about BABIP all you want, but I watched that playoff series and there weren't enough hard hit balls in key situations. Guys didn't seem to be ready to hit, especially in game two. That's on David Bell. And we need to criticize this organization. None of this, oh, they'll be great in 2021. This was a real opportunity. This was a real chance. And you laid an absolute egg. Yeah. And, with this being a 60-game season, more teams getting into the postseason. I mean, we were all kind of – after you put them in timeout, when they were playing terribly, we, we put them in timeout and we said we, we were not going to talk about them on the podcast at all. And then they went on that winning streak and we brought them back. And I, and I joke to you, maybe we never should have taken them out of timeout. But there was, there was a point in that second game First game was, I I was like sick to my stomach at the end, going into that 13th inning, just like this is never going to end. But you had that uneasiness where it was like the Reds have had too many chances. They they hurt themselves here. There's no way that they somehow are able to win this. This is going to be a walk-off for the Braves at some point. You had that uneasiness, and then that happened. Going into the second game, you're like, all right, are the bats going to come alive? We're going to need to – I'm going to need to see a big difference from the first game in the beginning of the second game in order to actually get into it. Yeah. And there was a point, I think it was around maybe the sixth or seventh inning. Um, it was probably right before that they, they scored that uh, first run where it was just kind of this, I wasn't tense anymore. I was, um, I was relaxed and yeah. just watching and I was just emotionally removed from the situation. <laughs> yes. And I'm just watching it and I'm just going, all right, well, I, I guess this is it. And I couldn't look away. It was like a train wreck. But I was no longer invested 
And I think that that is something that Cincinnati sports fans do because we go into it with this, this cautious optimism where we're like, there is no chance, like there's a, maybe a 1% chance that we succeed, but I've seen the other 99 times, 99% of the outcomes that have happened. And I know how this one ends unless a miracle occurs and Cincinnati somehow gets something together and beats the curse. Yeah, well, it, it was – for me, it was like that until Suarez dropped that foul ball. And then I wanted to throw a bottle of wine through my television. I mean, I was, I was beside myself. Because you can't even muster the effort and focus in a ninth inning of a baseball game to catch a foul ball. Yeah. I mean, what does that say about your team? What does that say about your unit, your culture? And – I know it's small sample size, whatever, but 21 straight scoreless innings, a complete lack of clutch hitting, a complete lack of energy, a complete just implosion. Yeah. Dud. It's it, – oh, it was way worse than them just missing the playoffs. Yeah. Way worse for this Absolutely organization. no life broke the record for no runs in a, in a MLB postseason series. And then 22 straight innings without a run, another another MLB postseason record. Well, how the hell are you gonna how are you gonna recover from this? How are you going to lose the NL Cy Young to free agency? Because why on earth would he stay? He was the only bright spot in a two-game series in which every single one of you looked like minor league ball players at the plate. I mean, and and now David Bell's gonna come back and say, Whoa, let's get ready for spring training, boys. I I don't think it's gonna work. I, I really think that. It's one of those moments. It feels like the 2016 playoff game for the Bengals. When, that, when they lost that game, they should have just burned it all down and said, let's start again. Yep. Because that whole like, – in pro sports, it's tough to get over something like that unless you have a shakeup or a change. I think what would be best for this team is Joey Votto retiring, us being able to use that $20 million to pay for Trevor Bauer, and finding a new manager. I think those three things happening would be the best for the Cincinnati Reds because you're able to, to move on. I mean, Joey Votto is just an anchor on this team's payroll right now. And yeah. I love Joey, but that is the truth. I'd love to have him back at five or seven million, right? That's a great number for Joey Votto. He's not an everyday guy anymore. He's not, uh, he's not, he's just not. The numbers I, have I been. Wonder, I wonder if Joe, like Joey Votto is a smart guy. I wonder if you would realize that. Just be like, you know what? I am, I am not earning that paycheck that I'm getting. I'm going to take less, take a little bit of this, and, and make the team better because I don't think he needs to retire. I think that he still has some good years into him. He, he is not the guy anymore. He is not the one where you're like, he's going to hit this, home, this clutch home run. Like, I mean, he had a negative war this year. He was a yeah. negative player to the Cincinnati Reds this season. And he cost you $20 million. And you have the best pitcher that's probably ever walked through Cincinnati in Trevor Bauer up for a chance to sign him for a free agency. And do you know how tough of a pill it's going to swallow if we open up the lineup card next year and Trevor Bauer's playing for the Yankees or, or, or the Dodgers and we've got Joey Votto making that $20 million that would have been most of Trevor's salary on the payroll, getting ready to bat 255 again. I mean, that's just it, that's not a, that's not a situation that's good for this team. The contract of ten years needed Votto to have productive seasons in the middle of it. He did, but the organization couldn't figure itself out. And then that ten-year deal, when they finally figured itself out, they needed him to be at least a get-on-base guy, a net positive for your team, and he's not. He's just not. He's not a middle of the lineup guy. He's not. And Joey Votto, I think, is a sunken ship in terms of being an elite hitter in Major League Baseball. That's okay. The dude's 37. It's over. Time is gone. Move in on. Prime, I am not going to write off Joey Votto in a 60-game COVID pandemic season. It wasn't just. I don't know. I I can put whatever whatever I want on this season, and I don't think that I. I I'm not gonna put I'm not gonna put Joey Votto out to the cold yet, um, but I do think it's time for us to put the Reds back in timeout until next year. Um, you have the Reds hat behind you, 
if you want to uh we got we got something else we're gonna put there yeah we're gonna move it um all right we're going full bangles full bangles because i mean what's the point and just to back up my argument since his last mvp campaign once i hang this up here hopefully it doesn't fall off there we go since his last MVP campaign, so this is since 2018, mm-hmm. Joey Votto, over 162-game season, would only bat 265 with a 382 OBP and only 19 home runs, 65 RBIs. That's over the last three years, and it's gone down gradually. Um, that MVP season in 2017 feels like, to me, the last spark in the box of Joey Votto. Um, and, you know, he can take walks all he wants, and I'd be happy to have him as our first baseman, a veteran guy, and put him in the seven hole in the lineup for $7 million. But, I mean, for $20 million, that that'll be the bugaboo for this Reds yeah. organization. So they're in timeout. No more Reds talk until well, there's last, last thing. I mean, Gino fell off too. Who had a bigger drop-off between Votto and Gino to this year? Well, probably Gino because Votto's, again, he's 37. We saw it coming. He's old. I at least saw it coming. I mean, I had a few tweets about it last year that he was washed and way not worth the money. But Gino's at least got time ahead of him. He can improve. He can correct. And over 162, you'd think it would have been better. But there's no evidence to suggest that over a 162-game season, Joey Votto would have been able to be a productive player, let alone even play 130 of the games because, again, He's 37 going on 38, and a guy who had a decent hin- injury history throughout his career. So, Still in uh, prime. I agree with you. All right, moving to the Bengals. Yes, yes. Done with the Reds. Embarrassment, but it is what it is. Nightmare. <laughs> Absolute nightmare, man. I can't believe that. Those quotes bite him right in the butt, too. Right in the butt. I his- mean, he, he, he warned us. We thought he was, like, telling us it was a positive. Like, all right, Reds are in. We're a nightmare. Oh, my God, we're a nightmare. Wait, what? <laughs> so where's your, uh, where's your barometer at? Matt? My barometer is probably still at a 10. Yeah, it's gonna, I think it's going to sit at a 10. I, I think is, in the same way that Trevor Bauer was to the Reds, Burrow has been to the Bengals, where he is doing everything that he can, playing out of his mind, and he's looking at the rest of the team kind of like, Help me. What, 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 are you do, what are you doing? Help help me. Just a, and, just a little bit. Well, I mean, it's the play calling in the red zone has really gotten me. When I rewatched the Eagles game, it's like, man, you could have just put the game away twice. Yeah. Really should have just won that game 34-23 probably. Um, that's, that's really how they played. I mean, the Bengals outplayed the Eagles all over the field. Uh, the Bengals, to me, are a better team, and that's because of Joe Burrow. Um, and I have, a, I have a feeling that we're going to talk about a similar thing this weekend against the Jaguars. Yeah. And they just need to execute against Jacksonville. The barometer's at a 10. The national media barometer's at a 10. Albert Breer had a great piece um, for Sports Illustrated about how well Burrow's doing. Um, even the coaches around the league, the barometer's at a 10. Because I listened to the Jaguars, Doug Marone, and their defensive coordinator's press conference. Mm-hmm. Quotes from them, wise beyond his years. Um, Doug Marone even hesitated. He got a leading question, say, hey, is it more difficult to generate a pass rush against veteran quarterbacks? And Doug Marone said, I want to withhold using the word veteran because we're playing a rookie coming up and he's not like a rookie. Like he refused to talk about veteran quarterbacks because of how much he respects Joe Burrow and him being a rookie. He said what Joe Burrow has done is unbelievable, magnificent. So his, his rating all across the league is, is a bona fide 10. The yeah. only negative we're seeing now is that deep pass completion percentage, the deep ball. But, I mean, honestly, people are looking at that the way wrong way. They are, as most people do, focusing in on the one weakness of a guy or finding the one weakness of a guy and then honing in on it and hammering on it. And they're not looking at a bigger picture because when I look at the deep pass percentage and that it's low – that gets me super excited, super excited. Because any objective viewing of those deep throws shows that they, it's, not a, it's not a matter of arm strength. It's right. not a matter of even accuracy on the deep balls. It's a matter of 
timing and repetition and just getting it right. And Joe Burrow, we drafted him because he's a guy that's going to get it right. He's a guy that's going to work on it. It's a guy that's going to get better. So then you say, okay, we're going to assume that he will improve on his only weakness so far in the NFL. If, if he's one weakness right now, that's his thing he needs to improve on. You bet your, you, you bet your bottom dollar Joe Burrow's going to get better at it. Will he ever be the best deep ball guy in the league? I don't know, but he's going to get better at it. Then you look at his numbers and you go, oh, holy crap. If he got better at it, he'd be an MVP candidate. And the Bengals would be 3-0. and That's really where we're at. If, if Joe Burrow upped his deep ball completion percentage to a league average rate, he would be averaging almost a whole one or two yards more a, an attempt, would be averaging almost 50 or 60 yards more a game, would have an extra two touchdowns, and the Bengals would be an undefeated football team. So yeah. that should excite the hell out of you. I mean, come on. We just got to get those deep balls dialed in. And this is all with a horrendous – offensive line because of the right guard position and we are just That's Joe Burrow getting better at one thing from being three and oh in the kid being a borderline MVP candidate that was the first thing that I thought of when I saw that stat about or everyone complaining about Joe Burrow and the deep ball and I'm like he has 1.3 seconds to throw the ball yeah how every high, one of those deep balls how high do you expect him to throw it while he's getting hit to be able to get that ball 50 yards down the field, that is I don't, to me, that's not a Joe Burrow problem. Yeah. It might be it might be his biggest weakness right now, but the offensive line is not giving him enough time to let those double moves develop so that you can get the receivers down the field to get these deep balls. When he gets time. I think he's going to feel more comfortable to try and make some of those throws. Right now, the only thing that's going on in his head is, one Mississippi, two, shit. (laughs) I got to get rid of the ball. And he's going to go to – he can't even get through his his progressions of of three, four receivers. He's got to go to the second person because you got Bobby Hart here going, oh, please, you would like to uh, get an autograph from Joe Burrow? He's right this way. Oh, man. Well, we're about to talk about Jim Turner and Bobby Hart, but I mean, even like the one video I saw of somebody saying Joe Burrow only completes 7% of his deep balls, every deep ball, I mean, he does have a guy in his face. It's not like he's able to really let it loose, let it rip. Trying to hold out as long as he can, as long as he can, letting it develop, let the receivers get downfield, and then it's, uh, all right, I, I I can't wait any longer. Getting hit as he throws it, when he has time, I guarantee that those are going to get better. Well, and I think that's why my theme for this week has been, Matt, beat the Jaguars. Beat the Jaguars. Somebody asked me, hey, what's the Bengals schedule after that? I don't care. Don't ask me about the schedule. I I don't know who we're playing after the Jaguars. I don't know who's next. I don't care. I don't care what our record is. I don't care who's ahead of us in the division. I don't care who they're playing. Nothing. I'm not looking at nothing but the Jaguars, okay? The, the Jaguars. It, it, this is such a, a, a huge week for this organization, this coach, this rookie quarterback, this offensive line. This is about as must-win as it gets for yep. Zach Taylor. You, you need to win this game because you are the better team. You have the better quarterback. You are at home. This is it. And if you're going to talk about winning culture and guys buying in, go and blow out the Jaguars. And I bet a lot of these little problems that stem from really confidence figure themselves out. And this team can get much closer to the 500 prediction that I had them at the beginning of the season. I think it's about the snowball effect. And even when I went game by game through the season, I thought they needed to beat the Chargers in week one. And Joe Burrow had a rookie half that he needed to get used to the speed of the league. And then they should have won the game. And they should have won the game. If they win that game, they probably beat Cleveland and they probably beat Philadelphia. They are this close. There are a lot of major problems with this team. But Joe Burrow has been so above and beyond any sort of realistic expectation that they are now this close. They're going to be competitive in almost every game. I don't know who they have after the Jaguars. Again, 
Although I'm pretty sure I remember from the back of my head. We don't need to talk about it. But I don't know who they have after the Jaguars. But Joe Burrow has a real opportunity against a young secondary, against an ineffective pass rush, against a team that's been gashed by the Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick, by the Titans through the air and Ryan Tannehill. This Jaguars team, outside of Phillip Rivers peeing down his leg in the fourth quarter, is bad is a team that you can throw on, is a team that you can run on. Joe Burrow should be, I expect, a coming out party. Some, some elite level, oh, my God, this kid's nuts performance. from 400 Joe yards, five touchdowns. <laughs> you know, we say 400 yards, five touchdowns. Like, oh, my God, that's crazy. But if you look at these games and you look at this film, they're seriously a run game, a few play action, and a couple of these deep shots away, fixable things, manageable things, from him having that type of stat line against a bad Jaguars team. And if we're one, two, and one, and Joe Burrows had 400 yards and five touchdowns in a game, which would put him at 10 touchdowns on the season, I mean, we're going to lose our mind, people. Yeah. So it's about beating the Jaguars. I don't care if you blow them out. I would love to see it, but they have to win. If they don't win, you, you and I are going to be coming on the show and talking about Zach Taylor and his job. I'm well, serious. I mean, his, his play calling has been suspect in general, but uh, first thing for the, for the Bengals, you're talking about the Jaguars. They are uh, favorited in this game by three points. First time that's happened this year. They're actually 3-0 and against the spread um, in their first three games. Uh, last week we had them at Bengals plus six and a half. We both took the Bengals. Um, so we both win there. The over under was at 46 and a half. And I'm pretty sure this was on the uh, sports center, bad beats yeah. with, uh, and all the overtakers going, it's tied 23, 23 total was at 46 points. You're looking at that going, Oh, we're going into overtime. Field goal wins it here. Field goal wins it for me. All it can't do is end in a 23-23 tie. And that's, and that's what, what it did. And it, it's not even like they set up for a field goal and missed one. I mean, it seriously was the worst overtime Damn, ever. Right there, right there in the middle. Yeah. Worst not overtime ever. Absolute implosion from the Bengals offensive line. Yeah. It, they just got to avoid that. I mean, uh, my Bengals offensive line goal for this week, Matt, is – don't, don't, absolutely, don't blow it. Like, be bad all you want. But, but don't. My goal for them for this week is do your job even mediocrely well. Just don't implode. Like, they imploded with more than just sacks, though. They imploded with penalties. Yeah. And, I mean, it was just horrendous. And it's on – it's on a guy we heard from this week in the media, which, by the way, if you hear from an offensive line coach during the week with a quarterback, the number one pick, has been hit more than every other quarterback in the league, I'd say that guy's job is on the line, and that's right. why he's getting to speak, okay? You would never – is there any other offensive line coaches uh, having press conferences around the league? No. Jim Turner is because he's got things to defend and things to say for. And him being a good buddy of Zach Taylor says, I'm going to go take the heat off you a bit. And I think Zach might have even made him do it because, hey, Jim, yeah. if you don't play well this week, you're gone. If, right. if, if they lose to the Jaguars, Jim Turner is a minimum – is the minimum move you have to make is getting him out of the building. Yeah. Otherwise, this winning culture is just BS. It's it's a BS line that Zach's throwing out there. So Jim Turner's on the on the his job is on the line more than anybody else this weekend. I would have gotten rid of him immediately after that press conference, or his him talking about how Bobby Hart is having the best season of his life. He's right though, but he's still one of the worst tackles in the league. So he's Bobby Hart is having one of the best seasons Bobby Hart has ever had. <laughs> But he's still like the 28th or 29th best right tackle in the, the league. Shine, it's the shiniest trash of all the trash. And, I'm, you know, that's something to be commended, that, that the guy kept working and he didn't get worse. He did get better. And if Bobby Hart had a competent or let's say Bobby Hart had an all-pro right guard next to him, Bobby right. Hart wouldn't make headlines. He'd have a guy that can have his back. But when you're one of the worst right tackles in the league and you don't have any backup to your left – 
yeah. it's going to look like you're even worse. Yeah. So, you know, it's a little unfair to Bobby, but he is one of the worst right tackles in the league, and he's making $7 million. Bobby Hart, Bobby Hart's game check this Sunday will be bigger than Joe Burrow's. Bobby Hart's game check will be more than Joe Burrow's on Sunday, unless their Joe Burrow has his bonus tied into his game check. But if, if it's I base just salary, got into, I just got into a good mood after the Reds <laughs> game yesterday, and this is what you're trying to do to me now? Yeah, Bobby's going to get a bigger paycheck than a lot of guys on that offense. So uh, it, it, that's where the criticism comes from. I mean, why am I going to stand out here and criticize Fred Johnson, who hasn't played right guard since he was in Auburn? I mean, what do you expect from the kid? But Bobby yep. Hart's a career tackle that you, Jim Turner, and the coaching staff decided was worth paying three years, three years, $21 million. And he continues to be one of the worst right tackles in the league. And, okay, he's your third best offensive lineman, but that's even more of an indictment on you, Jim. Right. I mean, the, the whole unit's a mess. They've got to pick a plan and stick to it. He talks about how much he believes in the guys in the room, and he keeps jumbling them around. I mean, how much confidence is Billy Price ever going to have? I mean, Billy Price might as well retire. He's been benched so many times and had so many bad moments. I mean, this coaching staff has completely butchered any of the talent that is there up front. And it's just going to be about sticking a guy in there and saying, Joe, just make him better, man. Just, like, talk to him. Say, yeah, you believe in him a bunch of times. They need to put Joe Burrow in front of them. They need to just have Joe Burrow just just sitting, just staring at them. Just put everyone who would be protecting Joe Burrow in front of him. Just be like, look how look how beautiful this is. Look, this is the savior of Cincinnati. Protect him. Do not let him get hit. Yeah. Do not let him take when when he, he's trying to sit back and let the play develop so he can make these long throws. Do not let him take a beating. He yeah. can take a beating. Burrow is not a small guy. He got he got big. But every time that he gets hit, it's not good. I, I'm looking at the offensive line and I'm just going, stop it. St- stop it. You, you can be thrown out of this league and no one will notice. No. Joe Burrow needs to be protected. And if, if you are not the crew to do it, someone else needs to be brought in or Jim Turner needs to be gone and someone else needs to be brought in that can make them actually protect Joe Burrow. Well, they need to get violent about it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I love Zach Taylor. I love the culture he's building. And it's the exact right culture you want to build with an elite quarterback, right? Everybody show up, do their job, a bunch of leaders, a bunch of captains, right? That's the, that's the type of locker room the Colts had with Peyton Manning, right? But somebody needs to get nasty. When you're at a disadvantage in the NFL, in terms of talent, uh, especially in the trenches, you need to start going to means that are outside the rules, okay? Because this kid is not only the leader of your football team, he's the leader of the franchise, and he has sacrificed his body and his time to try to win football games. I mean, if I'm Jim Turner and I'm in that offensive line room, I pull up the one play that everybody's talking about that actually wasn't the O-line's fault, where Joe Burrow goes on a naked boot left, comes back right, and gets absolutely – I mean, his head looked like it flew off. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, that, is, that hit is not on the offensive line. Nobody – anybody that understands film or a naked boot knows that. It's not on the O-line. But what Jim Turner should say is, look at this, guys. This kid goes back against it. He knows this, too. He's smart. He's not making a rookie mistake. Mm -hmm. He knows he's about to get his head knocked off. And he did it to make a play for this team, to try to win a game. And look at all these hits he's taking. He's getting back up. And Jim Turner needs to grab these guys and go, listen, anybody that touches Joe Burrow is committing a crime against a a human being they're not doing their job they're not guys making millions of dollars with super talent you need to pretend like they are committing a crime Tyler Boyd said it best you want to hurt them you protect him you get violent about it you get mean about it right and that's what the Bengals have to do because if you don't have talent you got to find something else you got to find grit you've got to find meanness 
And to help the Bengals offensive line do that, you need to run the ball. You need to get them on their front foot. You need to get them knocking guys' teeth out. There needs to be a little bit of edge to that unit because edge is the only thing they have left. They don't have talent. So you need that edge. And I just don't think Jim Turner and Zach Taylor are able to create that edge, and hopefully those guys find it in themselves. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Getting back to – you got something else to say? Well, like, I think Jonah Williams throwing the corner off on that. Well, he's got – I love Jonah. That was Jonah. incredible. Jonah's I, was like, gonna, I want more of that. Yeah, Jonah's going to be fine. But yeah. I, the, the rest of the line's got to dig deep and find something other than talent. I watched that play probably 30 times in a row just to figure out where he was, the vision, to see that guy coming, to basically put the guy that he, he's guarding on the ground and then a quick three steps to knock that guy so that Joe Burrow doesn't get hit. Very well done. Well, we do have to credit Bobby Hart for something because he's made – he's the best plays Joe Burrow has put on tape. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are because Bobby Hart either misses an assignment or just simply isn't blocking, and Burrow's got to make a great quarterback play. So all the guys watching film are like, man, this guy looks really good. He wouldn't that's have his opportunity. That's my Andy Dalton <laughs> argument. That's my Andy Dalton argument so, to why he makes the receivers look better because they have to make absurd catches – because yeah. the ball isn't right on their numbers. Which, by the way, where are those two? I, we haven't had a, a single like, oh, wow, he bailed out Joe Burrow there on that play. That needs to happen. You need to win 50-50 balls yeah. uh, in the NFL. You have to. And that's what made Andy Dalton a decent deep ball thrower. Is yeah. His guys were winning I want, 50-50 balls. I want A.J. Green doing that. I want Auden Tate doing that. We, we saw him doing that in uh, the fantastic pictures uh, from uh, training camp. I was I was expecting him. T. Higgins looked great last game too. Um, going back to Bengals versus Vegas, talking about last game, Bengals were uh, plus six and a half. Um, we both took the Bengals. We both took the over. Correct. We took the over yes. last week. Yeah. Uh, so we both lost that because of the tie, um, but we won on the points. So I am now at four and two on the year. You are at three and three this coming week. Against the Jaguars, we have Bengals uh, minus three, favorited in this game. Uh, Over-under is at 49.5. What are you thinking? I'm going to go Bengals minus three. And I I saw the injury report, so I think it's going to go over 49. Um, I'll go final score, Bengals 38, Jaguars 28. Um, But it's – I really think this is going to be a Bengals in control the whole time, 38 points. I think it's 7-0, and it's just because I I think this Jaguars defense, with their experience level compared to the type of player Joe Burrow is, it's going to be like a five- or six-year veteran going up against a really young unit. Yeah. Um, and, and a really talented pass-catching unit that should only get better week by week. And Burrow's got confidence, and Burrow is pissed because he wants to win a game. And you're just hoping that the momentum of this team toward we have to win, this is it, beat the Jaguars, beat the Jaguars, the theme of the week, the theme yeah. of the week, it, it comes through, and it comes through in a big way where you get just enough from the offensive line against a – because this offensive line has also faced three really good pass rushes. This is the worst of the four. So maybe they are a 22nd ranked unit in the league and they just need to face somebody that's bad. Maybe, hopefully. But I think Joe Burrow just will have that little bit of extra time. They'll connect on some deep balls. Bengals minus three is the bet. And I'll take over because I think there's, some, there's too many injuries on the defense right now. And the Jaguars can move the ball a little bit. They're going to run for 150 on us again. So yeah. that's, that's just going to happen. Yeah, I, I am going to agree with you. I'm going to take the Bengals and the over. Um, I think it's probably going to be closer. But, I mean, Joe Burrow got the taste of the first not loss of his NFL career with the tie. I think it's um, I, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think the, I think the Bengals win this one probably closer to like a 34-30 or a 34-28. Um, but, yeah, Bengals minus three and over the 49 and a half. 
Well, your way is better. I would actually rather see them win a one-score game. Mm-hmm. But I think a so blowout. That, uh, that very lopsided past two years, one-score game. Like what do you think? One in, one in 12 or something in one-score games is something absurd. I think this is an interesting question. It's, it's, o, it's o 12 and one I think, or o 11 o 12 and one Wow. Um, what's better for this team, a blowout win or a close win? For this team, for this year, for the, like this to game. propel through the rest of the season? Yes. Like, what's just best for the record of the Bengals in 2020? I mean, I would say – I would say maybe blowout because then you got full Joe Burrow and then you have full like like defense support. If you have if you have the entire team, like we know that they have they have there are good aspects of this Bengals team and they can win and they should have won a lot of these past week games. If they go into the they have their first first game that they are favorited and they just, just obliterate it and win by 20 then I think people aren't looking at the Bengals like, wow, this team is terrible. They're going, Joe Burrow was what they needed, and now they can win games. Now they can blow people out. And from that point forward through the rest of the season, that th- those first two losses were just – Joe Burrow did great. The rest of the team needed a little, little time to, uh, to get on close to his level. And then you, it was like, Ty – big win the rest of the season is going to be uh, a lot better for them I think at that point yeah I mean there's a real argument to be made that this team can a blowout win here and an, an analyst can look at this and go okay I've got a rookie in his first start and then a rookie on a short week with a young defense mm-hmm. we can even throw those out since then what have they been right it would be a tie and a blowout yep. win and then, I mean, you can even put the first two weeks in there as evidence to the positive of how close they were. Um, so I think a blowout win, I agree with you. It does all those things. And, and more importantly, for the locker room, what it does is everybody can look around and say, man, we are not only competitive in the NFL. There are teams in this league that we are much better than. Yep. And just that knowledge and that understanding you are not the worst in the league. You're not 32nd. You're not going to pick one overall again. That's a little bit of a freedom almost to go and beat some of the tougher teams on your schedule yeah. um, and to compete in closer games because you have a little more confidence. Because in, in a close game against the Jaguars, yes, you won, you got that off your back, but then things would have been sloppy in some areas, things went yeah. wrong in some areas, and you're saying, okay, but it was just the Jaguars. And if you go out, again, don't know who's on the schedule past this week, and get blown out in a future week, then you're going to say, oh, it was just the Jag. We only beat the Jaguars. It's a, it's a different mindset. You know, a yeah. win's a win's a win, obviously. Yeah. A win's a win's a win. I'll come on here and say a win's a win's a win. But especially – It's great. Yeah, for their, for their mindset and with the eight, nine, one-score games that they lost last year, they, this team has not been able to relax. This team has not been able to figure out, like, oh, we're up two scores. What do we do now? It has always been this tense – kind of every possession matters on both sides of the ball. And to be able to give to let Joe Burrow ball out and to be able to look at that, go into the fourth quarter and just kind of like, all right, like we're good. That's something that the Bengals have not had. And Cincinnati fans have definitely have not had. Like we've never – I can't remember the last time that we've turned off a game because we're like, ah, the Bengals got this. I don't need to watch the rest of this. Has that ever, has that ever happened? It has happened before, but it's been a while. Um, yes, Joe Burrow is a front-running quarterback. Oh, give him a running game and a two-score lead, you're done. You you really yes. are cooked because they're just going to. That, gonna that keep would be great to see. I, just, I would love to see that this week. They're going to keep moving the ball. I mean, Joe Burrow. I mean, he's moving the ball right now better than Drew Brees. I mean, they're PFF especially, and I really trust their quarterback evaluations. They love the kid. They think he's a top yeah. 10 guy in the league right now. Um, I think it's consensus. And, and, and think about this, Bengals fans. We at least can say through three weeks, the Bengals nailed the number one pick. Now, it was easy. We all could have made it. I could have mm-hmm. made it. Matt, you could have made it. I made it. 
We all could have made the pick, easy pick, but they nailed it, right? And I, I think even more evidence is how much Joe Burrow's getting beat up. Let's all take a trip back down memory lane when some of you at home were like, well, the Bengals should just trade all the picks and draft Tua because Tua's just as good. Tua had two years. Yeah, wouldn't have been great to see injury-prone, hip-problem Tua <laughs> get his clock no. cleaned for yeah. 75 sacks in a season. He would already be out for the year. Tua would yeah. be done in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow was the only guy that you could have drafted from this draft because he has and, – and listen, here's the point. That beating he just took, even when, even when our offensive line is good, and this team is competitive in, in the league for Lombardi trophies, right? Winning playoff games, all that stuff. They are still – Joe Burrow is still going to get beat up like, like he's been in the last three games against Pittsburgh and Baltimore. That's yeah. the AFC North. And guess what? Andy couldn't handle it against Pittsburgh. It's why we could never beat Pittsburgh. Him getting kicked around like this, if he can stay healthy and we can figure it out, it's only going to help them beat the Steelers. And that is the number one goal for this organization right now, yeah. is be better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Ravens right now, everything's going for them. But as soon as their quarterback contract comes up, they're going to regress. Lamar, to me, is not a carry-it-by-himself-all-the-time guy. I think he's MVP. I think he's electric. I think he could maybe be a Super Bowl quarterback because they have a great team. But I think Joe Burrow is, will be a better quarterback than Lamar in three or four years, just because Joe is going to have a lot more longevity and a lot more comeback ability. Yeah. Plays. Yeah. Now, Lamar I'm can excited get for that. I was watching the, uh, the Ravens chiefs and I'm, I'm watching Lamar and I'm like, okay, throw out this year, but you're talking about next year, next, next two, three years. Like this is going to be a back and forth with Burrell and, and Lamar Jackson in the Ravens and the Bengals. And that's like, that's, that's the future. These young quarterbacks who are, who are able to put a lot of the team on their back and will their team to win, even if other, other areas of the team are not up to par. Um, but I, I was watching that and getting excited. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And the Bengals won't be able to stop Lamar Jackson anytime soon. Um, but good teams can good teams that get ahead of the Ravens can. And I think that's good news for the AFC North. Um, over the next three, four years. I think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are not going to be a perennial first-place team in this division. Right now, they look unstoppable other than against the Chiefs. 21-1 yeah. um, and one record for Lamar against all the other teams in the NFL in the regular season. So that's pretty terrifying. Um, but <laughs> That's pretty I, terrifying. Well, we are in October. That is pretty terrifying. Uh, but the thing is, I, I think there's a lot of positives right now. Joe's just got to stay healthy. That's the only thing. You just got to keep the kid healthy. But he's tough. He's the exact type of guy we need for this division, for this organization. And his way of going about things, what he relies on for success, is something that will last through all of this. And I had a segment in the last podcast, Matt, and I'll probably post the clip. But I talked about the burden of a savior, right? The burden of a savior. So, I mean, we talk about savior. It's this biblical term, right? Somebody who absorbs the sins for everybody, carries them on, right? And sacrifices himself for it. And when we called Joe Burrow the savior, when I did, it was because of the fact that, yeah, the team's going to suck. He's going to have to absorb sins. And he's not going to be able to do it for five years, carry this bad of an offensive line, this yeah. ineffective of a running game, this inconsistent of a defense. But for now... He needs to carry, and he'll only grow because of it. It's just about Mike Brown and the Cincinnati Bengals making the commitment to try to get better. If that's what they – because that's what they didn't do for Carson Palmer. If they just commit money, commit time, commit energy, and commit belief to this kid, he will continue to prepare, he will continue to be excellent, he'll continue to be a leader, and you'll win football games and meaningful football games. You yeah. just have to keep believing He's, he's carrying the sins of the organization now. And, you know, you go back to the biblical comparison, that doesn't mean that you get to keep sinning, right? That doesn't mean you get to be a bad person forever. No, it means somebody has absorbed your faults so that you can correct them and become a better unit and a better world and a better team. 
around him. That's what the Bengals need to be focusing on. We can put it all on Joe Burrow for now, but let's all get better in the margins so that he doesn't have to carry the burden forever. Yeah, you, you expect that for this first year, but that cannot be the five-year plan of just letting Joe Burrow continue to absorb. No, it's not the five-year plan. And if it is, Joe Burrow will be playing for another team. Yeah. Um, because he is a practical guy and he ain't afraid to move. Um, but I think the Bengals, listen, build an indoor practice facility, spend money on free agents again this offseason. And, I, you know, there's no reason not to stay around. Yeah. Are we out of topics? I believe we are, Matt. That should be it for this week, for this Friday, October special. Do you have, you have, the, you have the Bengals minus three, though, in the I over? I have the Bengals minus three, yes. In the over? Okay. Mm-hmm. Good, 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 good. I, I, think th- I think there's a chance that it's an under because it's 34-14 Cincinnati. That would be great. That would be fun. I'm good with that. I will, I, will, I will gladly lose the under if, uh, if that is the case. I'd love to get a big lead to get the running game going. You know, just force it down their throat because you can, because you're up 15. You know, just so much I hope goes right for this team because I do believe they are a snowball moving downhill if if things get going in the right direction. And there's a couple things that need changed and shift and adjusted, as there will always be in the NFL, but they're this close to being a real competitive team this year. And that's exciting for Bengals fans. I mean, you know we have the Ravens after the Jaguars. No, 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 no. I don't want to know who we're playing after the Jaguars. I didn't hear who we're playing after the Jaguars. All right, all right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and end the segment then. Beat end the Jaguars, the all right? Beat Just the Jaguars. That's the only thing we're focusing on right now. Yes. There we go. And if you don't, hell to pay on Monday. Hell to pay. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'll do a show on Sunday if we don't beat the damn Jacksonville Jaguars and Gardner <laughs> Minshew. If you don't, I mean, we're having, I'm having a show on oh, Sunday. I, I started that, I, I, the mustache, I started him in fantasy over Matt Stafford last week, and he got me eight points Yeah, in that terrible, terrible performance. The beard won that performance, that, well, that game, that matchup. Just throw the game away, Gardner. Just come on. Beat the Jaguars. It's it'd be it's. I mean, I would be. Yeah, they are coming off a tough loss to uh, to the Dolphins, though. And Fitzpatrick. It's gonna be a shootout. It'll be a close shootout. The way Fitzpatrick carved up that Jaguars defense, I really am expecting Joe Burrow to have a great day. Yeah. Um, I would. It would have to be some sort of game plan that nobody sees coming, or or the offensive line completely implodes again. Um, but even then, Joe Burrow's been great. So I, I think this could be the breakout, oh, my God, without a doubt, rookie of the year. If the Bengals make the playoffs, is Joe Burrow an MVP type of week? Mm. Um, now, those are questions for, like, fringe sports talk. But you bet your sweet ass we're going to be talking about it on this show <laughs> if we have a winning record with Joe Burrow in this football team. You bet. You, I'd be like, someone needs to at least give the kid a vote. Yeah. Um, so that's where we're at. Love it. Another Coney in the books. In the books. 